Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ask the CEO with Avraham Gatile. Today, I'd like to introduce a very special guest. He's a leading advocate for digital ethics and digital transformation, a formal global leader for IBM financial services sector, CMO for Compare the Cloud, and cloud strategist for UK Cloud. He's a strategic advisor to a number of leading technical firms, including GovTech specialist Advice Cloud. As an evangelist for the transformational value of technology, he is the world's top social influencer on GovTech, a top commentator on cloud, and also one of the judges of the UK Cloud Awards. As a campaigner for data privacy and other ethical issues in technology, he is also the world's top social influencer on privacy. He appears almost weekly on broadcast TV and radio. Is a prolific author of articles and blogs, as well as being exceedingly socially engaged. It is my pleasure to welcome Bill Mew. Welcome, Bill. Hey,、uh, my good friend. It's it's great to speak to you.、Uh, and and having been one of, as you say, socially engaged, you're one of those out there who I regularly engage with, and it's really great to speak to you uh, uh, on a, a video conference like this, and and actually have a, a good discussion on what I hope is going to be an interesting topic for everyone. Absolutely, it's awesome seeing you live and、uh, being able to interact with you one on one on on、uh, video conference using technology. And you know that's a great topic right there because we all use technology and we all leverage technology. And then there's issues and concerns that come up. So, can you explain to the layperson what is digital ethics all about and why is it so important? Well,、uh, people out there, you, I think you have to be living in a cave to miss some of the the problems that have been happening recently around privacy.、Um, uh, we've had、uh, the Facebook saga, we,、yeah. Cambridge Analytica. We've had、uh, any number of data breaches from uh, 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 people like Equifax、uh, through to a whole host of others,、um, and also we've had a, a spate of regulation.、Uh, and this has started largely in Europe with GDPR. Um, but we've also similarly had、uh, legislation in California, and they're now talking about federal legislation、uh, for privacy、um, and sort of digital behaviour、uh, across the whole of the U.S. and uh, uh, South Africa and other countries have have followed suit as well.、Um, this has brought privacy very much to the fore, and it's a very much an agenda item for for a lot of organisations out there.、Um, but also there there are massive implications here.、Um, it, it's not. So very long ago that I think most of us uh, uh, might not have considered privacy.、Um, I think we all, we're, all of us out there who are technology、uh, fans, such as yourself and, and myself,、uh, we just we like tech. Or we we, we、uh, think it's great, and we use it all the time. We we never really put a thought towards what was happening to our our, our data.、Um, I, I think we just trusted that it would work and that people would use our data sensibly.、Um, I think. The myth has actually burst, and 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 people have got a sudden realization. And, and once that trust has been lost, it's going to be very, very difficult for technology organisations, and indeed,、uh, organisations in any sector,、uh, right across the the, the biggest business spectrum, and indeed in public sector, to regain that level of trust. Yeah, and just to bring it home to everybody, not a year goes by where I don't get. Two or three pieces of mail from some company I've never heard of,、uh, with a letter stating that somebody had a laptop that got stolen and had my contact information, and you know here are some suggestions, and here's a year of credit monitoring. So this stuff is happening all the time. 
yeah, and, and actually the, the, the awareness has gone right up. And one of the, the interesting things is that um, uh, if you asked the general public not so very long ago, uh, what were the main issues that, that were of concern to them? Um, the, the highest uh, 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 scoring issues would be things like healthcare, education, uh, uh, freedom of speech, uh, protection from terrorism, those sort of things. Um, if you ask them, well, well, surely these are, uh, are things that the government should be taking care of. What, what is it that, that worries you most? What are the things that you expect from companies and from brands? Um, what we found is that up until recently, the, the issues they expected um, companies to be taking action on were things like diversity or sustainability, all very laudable things. and Global many, warming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Many, many companies had social uh, uh, corporate responsibility uh, functions that were focusing on these uh, very worthy issues. Uh, in the last four to six months, the, the, the whole spectrum has changed and privacy, uh, uh, data security and data privacy have jumped to number one. It is the, the single um, largest issue that um, consumers expect companies to, to, to act on. Um, and it's one of the major issues that um, if uh, you uh, uh, cannot be trusted or there is a perception of a lack of trust, people simply do business with you. Um, and therefore, it is a major, major issue for companies across all industries. Now, the, the implications here are significant. It means that all of a sudden, uh, we have one issue. So, but suddenly, the most important brand attribute to have, um, uh, basically, you want to be a trusted brand so that people will do business with you. Um, and therefore, you have to focus on digital ethics in order to establish and possibly maintain yourself as a trusted brand. But at the same time, things can and do go wrong. And, and there are many companies that have been hit by breaches um, and other issues. And almost overnight, what could be your single most positive brand attribute could suddenly turn out to be your most negative brand attribute when things go wrong. And therefore... It is the first time I think we've ever seen a single issue not only be the largest issue in terms of positive potential brand value and trust, but also at the same time, the largest issue in terms of brand risk. Um, and that is significant. It, it sure is. You know, trust is something that takes a lifetime to build up and a moment to break down. And, and there are any number of, and typically uh, we, we, we talked a little bit uh, uh, earlier before this uh, uh, video conference about how this affects companies. Uh, and actually there are different groups within most organizations uh, and possibly at the top of the company, you have the, the CMO who is the, the brand custodian and he is responsible for uh, uh, defending what can, for most organizations is their single largest asset, their brand. Um, and in order to do so, he does uh, any number of marketing campaigns to associate the brand with uh, any number of virtues. But he will also have a, a communications department that will have a crisis management plan in place, something that to, to, to put into place if, if something terrible happens. Um, at the same time, you've got a, another group within an organization, the, the CIO and the IT department, who have an information security strategy, and they're responsible for um, looking after the data, uh, uh, driving innovation within a company, looking at insights, uh, possibly feeding the CMO and his team with um, uh, uh, analytics that uh, analyze customer behavior so that they can be that much more efficient. 
Um, and then you have a third group uh, that have become uh, a far more prevalent uh, and important more recently, and that's the area of compliance. And companies now all need to have some form of uh, privacy impact assessment. The, the big issue here is that typically, because much of this is a, a totally new area, companies haven't had time to adjust to being uh, digital ethics oriented. And your CMO and his crisis management plan isn't necessarily uh, uh, linked up with the privacy impact assessment or the security, information security strategy. Um, that they, they typically are not aligned. Um, and if you look at many crisis management plans that uh, the CMOs will all have sort of in a cupboard somewhere that they'll pull out in a time of emergency, one of the, the, the crises that they failed to plan for is now one of the biggest risks that they face, and that is a, a, a data security breach, or, and it could be a hack or it could be a leak by a member of staff. There are, there are any number of causes, but this is something that companies simply need to be prepared of uh, or for if they're going to protect their brand. And this seems like a real compounded problem because typically in an organization, especially large ones, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing because different, different business units operate in silos. So you were talking about the marketing and the CIO and the compliance officer. And then on top of that, technology changes so rapidly that it's hard to keep up with all this. And I think the, the big rise of privacy as an issue and digital ethics, and it's come out of almost nowhere, has caught many large organizations um, off step. Um, and therefore, they simply aren't prepared for, well, what is our digital ethics strategy? How are we going to um, uh, uh, put forward um, ourselves and our brand in such a way that we um, uh, establish or maintain uh, this uh, 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 valuable trusted brand status? And so that uh, uh, consumers out there would all automatically think, oh, well, yeah, no, these guys, they're a bunch of people I can uh, do business with online and I trust. Um, and, and there are notable examples out there. I mean, Apple have been very, very outspoken and, and, and their CEO, Cook, has, has talked uh, publicly about how Apple see um, uh, privacy as a human right and, and, and a massive issue that they're addressing all the time. And then possibly uh, at the opposite end of the spectrum, you have one of their main rivals, Facebook, who have seem to have uh, taken a, 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 a trip and a stumble almost at every particular moment. Um, and revelation after revelation have come forward. And I mean, you look at the, 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 the fact that they lost 20% of Facebook's share price was lost in one day after one particular revelation. That was the single largest drop in market capital for any company ever. I mean, that's the sort of impact that we're talking. And that's just the, the, the punishment that they took on the stock exchange. Uh, we also have to look at the fines that they're going to get under GDPR, which uh, could be monumental. They, uh, Facebook have just been fined £500,000 uh, here in the UK for the Cambridge Analytica incident. But that was under the old regime before GDPR came in. Yeah. Under GDPR, it could be up to 4% of revenue. Um, and that's suddenly, if you're talking a big company, we're talking some very big numbers here. Um, and, and that's just uh, the, the regulatory side. You could face a, a shareholder lawsuit. Um, in France, we have just seen the, the French Internet Society launch a, a class action 
a, a lawsuit against, uh, well, guess who? It's Facebook. Um, and that uh, they're talking about getting um, 100 million users together to do a class action suit, which could be one of the, the biggest class action suits ever. Um, and on top of that, there are, it, it, it doesn't happen to be, or it doesn't have to be um, simply that kind of incident uh, uh, with uh, a, a social media company. It could be anyone. Um, I mean, there's, there's been actually been another interesting piece of case law here in the UK where there was a, a supermarket called uh, Morrison's where uh, there was a disgruntled member of staff who leaked the personal information of 100,000 employees online. Now, um, uh, uh, previously, uh, case law would have it that um, uh, Morrison's company could not be held liable for the actions or the, the criminal actions of one of its employees. But interestingly, in this case, and it's set a new precedent, um, there was a, a, a liability um, set against um, Morrison's for this. Uh, they've been found vicariously liable. Um, and that has meant that all companies now in the future um, are potentially uh, liable for the actions of their employees um, even if they are a criminal, uh, in terms of uh, this kind of data breach. And uh, that, is, that is monumental. I mean, uh, for starters, uh, uh, the judge in that particular ruling came out and said um, that he expects uh, insurance companies to be able to cover companies because they simply wouldn't be able to cover the costs otherwise. But the implications here in terms of corporate insurance, and I'm sure there are a lot of uh, insurance companies running around sort of trying to rewrite their, 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 their cover of policies. Yeah. This sort of thing. So, so there's any number of things out there. And, and uh, the other thing is that we're starting to see class action lawsuits for the first time uh, on the securities side uh, with regard to the behavior of companies when uh, data incidents occur. Um, in uh, 2016, there were no recorded cases of uh, a securities oriented class action suit. Um, there were nine uh, such cases so far um, in 2017 um, uh, 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 and into 2018, uh, we're seeing an upward trend. And, and I think this uh, uh, type of litigation and the big class action lawsuits that uh, uh, typically you've only seen in America and now coming to, to France and possibly to, to other countries as well, it is really changing the landscape. And, and if CEOs aren't sitting up and sort of taking notice, uh, and thinking about digital ethics on, on the positive side, how they establish themselves a trusted brand, but also on the negative side, how they prepare themselves in order to respond when things uh, go wrong, which could happen at any time, then, then their dereliction in, uh, of their duties because they need to be acting now and preparing for that sort of thing. And, you know, I just want to define the term digital ethics, uh, it seems almost like it's, it's how your behavior, you know, whether or not you have good, uh, good digital security hygiene, is, is that what it's referring to? It's everything from good, good hygiene. It's, it's actually having a cultural approach across an organization that is respectful for data as it is for anything else of, of equal value. And that stretches to security so that you've got the adequate data protection measures. 
but also it's the way that you use data. You're not exploiting it. You're not acting unreasonably. You're not in, in breach of the, the GDPR regulations or the many other rules out there. And actually, you're acting ethically and responsibly um, in a sort of digital uh, 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 sense, uh, as you would be expected to do uh, in most of the other ways in which you do business. Great. And, you know, what I love about what you're saying is, is that many times on the show when, when we have conversations about uh, uh, regulations such as GDPR, one of the things I've said is that GDPR will become, in my prediction, will become the gold standard where let's say here in the United States, we don't have a national GDPR law, but people, consumers, customers will be looking to the company to see how are they handling my data privacy and how, and, and how important is it to them? And based on their reputation, we will decide whether or not we do business with them. Absolutely. And that comes down to the, the trusted brand status. Um, but we, we've seen already the, the uh, introduction of laws in California. We've seen pro proposals at a federal level. Um, and interestingly enough, there are uh, many, many technology companies out there that only a year ago were saying, oh, it'll never happen here in the US. And now say, it's not a question of if, it's a question of how. And, and, and they were desperately trying to, to be on the front foot to try and control what federal regulation does come into force. Uh, and, and I think there's broad agreement now that certainly following some of the incidents that have occurred um, and a lot of what's happened at Facebook in particular, that we're not going to get away from uh, some form of regulation. And I think uh, it will be GDPR-like in some way. And, and um, we already have um, Privacy Shield, uh, which is a, a data sharing agreement to, to have some form of alignment between Europe and America. And there are big questions about how well that agreement and arrangement is working. Um, but, and that's been challenged in the courts at the same time, and I know some of the guys doing that. Um, but uh, uh, if once we have a, a new regulation, a federal regulation for privacy in the US, I, I think that'll be a lot clearer uh, what the, the, the end uh, uh, destination is and the direction of travel here is very much towards regulation. Yeah, for sure. Now, Bill, um, you know, we're, we're obviously trying to educate the public on uh, data privacy and data ethics and its importance. And for many people out there, many businesses that realize that they're in way over their heads with regards to uh, this topic, how can they leverage resources such as yourself in order to help them get up to speed on where they need to be? Well, I'm out there helping a number of companies. Um, those companies want to be on the front foot and to want to establish themselves as a, a, a company with digital ethics and with a, a trusted brand. Um, they can actually differentiate themselves in the market. They can have a competitive advantage events, uh, uh, over many of their competitors. And I've done that for some significant brands here in the UK. Um, there are companies that want to be prepared um, uh, on the, the crisis management planning uh, and, and a little bit better prepared than most of the current provisions allow for. And you've got to think to yourselves here that when things go wrong, um, you're probably going to be facing an enormous amount of hysteria uh, a fair amount of misinformation. There's going to be in all sorts of speculation. And you've got to try and manage all of that. And most of the brand damage is done in that first period. And it's how you respond quickly to those type of 
uh, uh, things and that sort of scenario that actually is going to have a long-term impact on your brand. Um, and the issue here is that um, at the very moment in time when you want to be countering the hysteria, countering the misinformation, actually getting your message out to try and uh, 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 address what could be totally wrong. I mean, it could be uh, complete speculation. At that moment in time, your own brand and your, the, own, the trust uh, metric that you have will be at its lowest ebb because nobody will believe you. Uh, and therefore, it is working with um, leading campaigners such as myself, um, other uh, leading influencers out this, in this sphere, um, where we can actually act as a, an advocate. We can um, work with companies that are in difficulty, and we can actually um, help them uh, counter the hysteria, counter the misinformation using our credibility in this particular space. Um, and that is going to be essential because you need to nip some of these things in the bud before the hysteria and the speculation gets out of hand. Um, and a lot of the, the hysteria and speculation that does appear, it's going to have a very long shelf life. Uh, a lot of things that appear online stay online for a very long time and they will still be searchable long after it's all over. Um, and therefore, it, it's actually acting quickly, addressing the type of hysteria and misinformation that could well occur and is likely to, and doing so authoritatively and, and uh, effectively when a crisis occurs. Uh, and the third area is that there's a lot of companies in denial at the moment um, about the, the importance of uh, data ethics. Uh, and you may have somebody within the organization who's desperately trying to stand up and, uh, and say, hey guys, we need to be taking this seriously. And some of the consulting I do is uh, having been a, 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 a global leader for IBM Financial Services and, and I led their corporate communications through the global financial crash. So I've, I've uh, been through some interesting times on that particular front and I've been a CMO. So I can talk to the CMO and, and that community. I've been a cloud strategist for one of the leading cloud firms in the UK. So I can speak and talk Turkey to the uh, CIO and, and as a leading privacy act activist who's worked with many of the leading names in this particular field, I can see, speak to the compliance department. So uh, one of the things I do is, is help breach uh, uh, the gaps between those groups in order to try and bring them together uh, if they're uh, uh, looking to try and put in place a, a digital ethics strategy uh, in order to try and make a difference. Um, and and well, we've done this very, really very effectively recently. There's a, in this country, there's a, a company I've been working very closely with called UK Cloud, who um, are, are a company who are a cloud hoster, uh, and they provide cloud services specifically to the government sector here in the UK. Um, and I'm sure one day there'll be an MBA case study about them, because this is about the only market in the world, any significant market that we know of, where major cloud giants, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, have been beaten at their own game. Uh, a local player with just 200 employees was able to actually have the right product and service at the right time in the market with great customer support and some really innovation, innovative technology. But at the same time, they decided to differentiate themselves in a sort of brand perspective by being seen to do the right thing for local uh, uh, technology community, the SME community here in the UK, doing the right thing in terms of privacy and security and, and doing the right thing in terms of data sovereignty. So those uh, issues combined were part of a, a big communications campaign that I led for the company 
um, where it managed to establish itself as the safe, trusted environment for government data here in the UK. And it captured 30% of the uh, what we call the G cloud market, the government cloud market here in the UK, um, with uh, uh, I think uh, Amazon some way behind it, about 12%. So it, it made uh, an enormous success in this market by leading on digital ethics, by being UK data and sovereign, keeping our data here in the UK, by um, being uh, seen as safer and more, uh, uh, more uh, uh, highly uh, assured, um, and by actually sort of uh, protecting the data that really matters to people, the sort of data that we care about, our tax records, our criminal records, uh, and hopefully you don't have one, but if you did, you'd want to keep it private, um, and your financial records, your tax records, your medical records, these type of things. Uh, really sensitive data that mattered to, to people, citizens in the UK, um, and that it, it uh, captured the market and, and it beat the, the, the global giants in, in the process. You know, that was so powerful what you just said about UK cloud. I mean, that is, that is um, the value proposition for data security in a nutshell. You know, people look at security as a bill that they have to pay every month. I mean, if you look at it as, as a, it's a bill that you have to pay, then of course you're going to cut corners, you're going to play Russian roulette, and you know, you're going to just uh, roll the dice and, and hope for the best. However, what you said was that UK cloud made money. They beat the chance in the market. You've got, you've got the, the uh, major cloud vendors, the, the hyperscalers out there. You've got Amazon, Microsoft, and Google who dominate every single cloud market in every single country across the globe. And this is the one market where the reverse occurred. And that is because they led on digital ethics. Uh, and they made it a brand value. And, and the, what I, the, the research about uh, customer attitudes at this moment in time that I led with at the beginning of this call, um, it shows that how important that is to people at this moment in time. It is the biggest issue. It is the, the number one thing that um, people care about uh, and expect brands to take a stand on. So um, there are many different companies who see the whole privacy thing and, and GDPR as uh, burdensome regulation, um, when actually not only is it a chance um, for you actually to do things correctly, I mean, the, the way that you should be acting responsibly, um, but it can be such a, an enormous brand attribute. It can give you an, an advantage in the market. It can help differentiate yourself against those companies that possibly have questions of trust against them. And, and, and certainly there is a, a great deal of a uh, uh, skepticism about the way that many of the global uh, uh, giants are behaving at this moment in time. And, and uh, before we came on this call, we were discussing the, the French example. Um, and, and there are, uh, right across Europe, there are organizations, and, and the latest has been the French government, who, who are seeking to take a stand. Uh, and the, the story in France is that only in the last day or so, uh, the French have announced that, that, they're, that in the uh, government ministries, and, and especially the Ministry of Defense and their security services, they are going to stop using um, Google's browser and go for Quant, which is a local browser developed by a company um, that's a part French, part German, but also that guarantees privacy, and, and that is its differentiator against Google. Um, and part of the, the reason quoted by um, Quant and, and by the French government for doing this was that um, 
partly they wanted to try and keep their data unsure. They, they actually want it protected. The moment they start using an American company, and the same goes in cloud services for any of the global giants. Their it, data is all over the place. Yeah, yeah. but it, it not only goes over there, but, but it's subject to seizure by the US uh, and whoever under the Cloud Act in the US. So any organization that has a presence in the US, and therefore it doesn't have to be US headquartered, it just has to have an operation in the US, could be subject to um, the Cloud Act. And therefore, uh, the security services may say, come along and, and want to see what uh, a data you're holding. Um, and this followed a, a ruling a few years ago, um, where there was a, a, a big tussle between um, Microsoft, who was holding some uh, uh, email data in Ireland, and the US authorities who wanted to have a look at those emails. Um, and uh, in order to overcome the, the difficulties they were having there, they introduced the new Cloud Act. But that is enormously worrisome if you are a, a government organization or if you are um, a, 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 an organization based outside the US that don't want the US prying on your data. And if you're the French arms, arms services, you probably don't, um, then that is of concern to you. So there's, there's a big issue there around uh, data sovereignty. And we're seeing data sovereignty rules being introduced in places like Russia, India, other countries where they are mandating that you have to keep data on shore. Um, there's also, uh, in addition to that, there is the, the privacy angle, that uh, what level of snooping is a browser or other technology doing? Um, and then there's the other thing around that is it's supporting local tech players and, and the, the, the UK cloud play was the fact that it was not only a small UK tech firm itself, but it partnered, it had an ecosystem of partners that were other small UK tech firms and they, as an ecosystem, fought hard in the, the UK public sector cloud market to establish a leadership position. Um, and, and the final thing is it's the, the tax angle here. Um, these global giants, where are they paying corporation tax? How much are they paying? And there are, there are some very big questions being asked of most of them at this moment in time. Bottom line is data privacy is the great equalizer. If you're a small no-name company and you want to compete with the tech giants, you make sure to differentiate yourself. Ah, but it's not just the tech giants because... People would be wrong to assume that this is an issue that only applies to the tech sector. What I'm, what I'm trying to, to, to uh, uh, preach here is that every single sector is impacted. The research has shown that customers who do business online, and they could be doing it with a retailer, they could be doing it with an insurance company, they could be doing it with anyone. They want to work with and to do their business with trusted brands. So it goes across all sectors. And just as GDPR applies to all companies out there, so does the whole principle around digital ethics. So it, this isn't a problem that is solely uh, applied in the tech space. Everyone needs to do that. Everyone who processes data, which um, there, there must be very few companies out there that don't. <laughs> you take credit cards, you're processing data. Well, everybody is. Everybody is. I mean, you're, you're, we're all holding um, local information. We've all got databases. We've all got personnel information on our own employees. Um, you can't get away from it. You can't get away from GDPR. You cannot get away from your responsibilities uh, under digital ethics and the, the potential here to establish yourself as a, as a trusted brand. It, it has to be the way forward for organizations, and they need to take it seriously. But in good times to expect an advantage, and in the bad times as a form of defense. 
um, and, and I'm here to, to, to help those organizations not only put those strategies together and to join the dots between the ID department, the compliance department and the, the CMO, but also um, when, when everything does go wrong and, and they need a, a really serious advocate in this area to speak on their behalf to possibly counter some of the hysteria and the misinformation. Um, there are a, a limited number of people out, to, out there that, that could have the, the gravitas in this particular arena to do so. And in fact, if you go onto Twitter and you put hashtag privacy, I think you'll find me straight away. I'm the top individual in the world. So, um, and that's not, a, not an insignificant place to be given how big privacy is, is an issue right now. Uh, I think a lot of people don't even understand what it is. So that, that's great that you're educating us on this. Well, I hope you, you found it useful. And I hope the people listening to this uh, recording, maybe they, they don't want to go away and, and, and do a little bit of research. I mean, I'm publishing papers and articles about this all the time. Um, and I'm very happy to engage with people um, who, who want to find out more because I really think, I mean, we've seen Gartner um, for the very first time uh, put a soft issue like privacy as one of the top 10 tech issues for 2019. We've seen Forrester come out and be very public that they see this as one of the biggest trends for the year ahead. And almost everybody out there is saying, look, this isn't going to die down anytime soon. We still got the US regulation coming. So there's going to be an enormous amount of noise around that. And Issues are not going to disappear. There are going to be more stories hitting the headlines uh, on a relatively frequent basis, I expect. And so um, you cannot get away from this. It is a big issue and you would be far better off to be on the front foot and to be addressing it now and to making, making digital ethics part of your corporate culture and your brand ethic um, than you would be on the back foot and, uh, and suffering the consequences. Great. Now, Bill, how do people connect with you? Well, you can follow me on, on Twitter for starters, at Bill New, um, or you can just uh, 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 reach out to me by, e uh, by email, bill at newera.biz. That's M-E-W-E-R-A dot biz. Um, I'm very happy to, 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 to offer um, uh, advice. There are a lot of articles out there you can search for. Um, it, it's not a small issue. It's not something that uh, I'm going to stop talking about anytime soon. And it's not something that, that people can dismiss. No, I think this is something that's going to continue. It's going to grow. This is something that as technology evolves, there's going to be more and more um, incidents occurring, and there's going to be more education on that as well. Yeah, well, hopefully the people who listen to this will actually be one step ahead in their understanding, uh, and, and hopefully that will spark them to go out and find more, because I really think they take it seriously, and I do think now is the time to do so. You waiting until the problem and trying to do something at that point when your sort of credibility is at its lowest ebb is possibly the worst possible approach. You need to plan ahead. You need to know what you're going to do in this sort of scenario. And actually by being on the front foot, by making privacy and security and data ethics part of your culture and your brand value, you're actually less likely to have a breach, uh, less likely to have the Morrison's type scenario, less likely to actually face uh, those sort of difficulties because you will take the whole issue that much more seriously. Awesome. Bill, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Well, it's been great chatting to you and, and I hope we've, uh, in our discussions, uh, offered some, some wisdom and uh, given people something to think about.